It's episode 88 of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. The run ends in game seven of the NLCS. Covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball, it's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. We do welcome you into another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. We are powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. It is good to have you with us as this is an episode where we are looking back at the finish of the National League Championship Series, which clearly did not go the way that Brewers fans would have liked it to go as the Brewers ended up losing on Saturday night by a 5-1 score. As I record this right now, we are still less than 24 hours removed from the Brewers season coming to an end. And after you cover and watch a team for an entire season and it kind of controls your uh, many aspects of your life for a while and for you from a fan standpoint, living and dying and watching the team on an every night basis, it always strikes me how much of a thud there is when a season comes to an end. I've been working in professional baseball. I believe this was my 13th year in professional baseball. I did 10 years as a minor league baseball play-by-play guy, and then the last three doing the post-game show with uh, the Brewers. And every year, every time it ends, you, you wake up that next morning, and it's weird that you don't have a baseball game to cover coming up either that day or, or moving forward. But that's just that's the way baseball is. It's one of the most unique sports that – it is an everyday thing, and then all of a sudden, the season indeed just ends. All right, so here's what we got coming up on the program this week. It's going to be a lot of kind of just raw thoughts uh, about the season. Not really about the season, but more about the playoff run and the last month of the season, I guess you can say, going into that uh, 12-game winning streak into the NLDS and then clearly Game 7 of the NLCS, and uh, we're going to spend a fair amount of time looking back. And this podcast will at some point, I don't know if it's going to be next week or the week after, we'll just see kind of organically what happens. At some point in time, we will shift focus from looking back to looking forward, but certainly not to that point quite yet. All right, let's get our housekeeping items out of the way as we normally do at the beginning of the program. Uh, if you do want to get in contact with me, feel free to do so at Matt Pauley on air on Twitter, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. You can also email me if you'd like, matt.pauley at WTMJ.com. Um, and if you listen to us on uh, Apple Podcast, subscribe, leave a ranking, leave a review. That would be, uh, I'd, I'd very much appreciate that. And by the way, we're not going anywhere. I, I should say that as well. Uh, I know a lot of people found this podcast here recently uh, during the playoff run. The numbers uh, clearly indicate that uh, with the expanded interest in this team. We will continue to do this podcast on an every week basis, even over the course of uh, the off season and some of the off season stuff that we've generally done earlier. Like we always do, uh, I say we always do. This is our second year doing the podcast, so last year we did it, and we're going to do it again this year. Uh, a full minor league recap with uh, Brad Ford from Brew Crew Ball. We've kind of been sitting on that. Uh, we may get that started next week, if not next week, for sure the week after. So. 
some of the items that we've done on this podcast previously when the season has come to an end, obviously we've been stalling on those as we've been able to talk about what's just been a really fun ride uh, through the end of the regular season and into uh, the playoffs as, uh, as well. And for those of you who listen on uh, WTMJ, we will continue to do the Brewers weekly program as well on Thursday nights. That's from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. And if you miss it on air, we uh, generally podcast it uh, right here uh, eventually uh, after that. So nothing's changing. We'll we'll continue to be talking Brewers in multiple places on an every week basis and have that available for you. And so much to, uh, so much to talk about. A few thoughts on the NLCS in Game 7. Uh, it, it, just losing the game in seven, lo- losing the series in seven games is how I should say it. Uh, my first, uh, I think it's really easy to specifically look back at certain games and say what could have been. I'm, I'm, I'm by the way, Kyle Osneski from uh, from Brew Crew Ball. He's the managing editor. He's going to be with us coming up in in just a while. He's going to be our featured conversation this week, and, and I'm going to run this by him. I think you, last year, Brewers come up one game short of being a postseason team. They get eliminated from the postseason on the second to last day of the season. And what did you do at that point? You you killed yourself by going back through a 162-game season and picking all the tough losses, all the games that were lost late, all the games that they had no business losing, all that. like that That's what you do last year. So this year it's a little bit different because y- there's no reason to pick over a 162-game schedule. The Brewers accomplished everything that they could possibly accomplish, really, in the regular season by having the most wins in the National League. Um, I guess the, they... Yeah, I mean that, that's there's there's just nothing to pick over in a 162 game season when you base it off the fact that they they were the top team in the entire league. So you you get into this thing where you look at the seven game series, and I think it's really easy to look at that game two, the home game that they were seemingly in command of it, and they let it go, and they ended up losing that game four three. And I think you have to look at the 13-inning game, game number four, where they lose, they lose by a 2-1 score. Those are, those are the games that you feel like they lost out on their opportunity to be a World Series team. Very, very winnable games. Each of those games featured opportunities that they did not seize upon. Uh, game two especially was a game where you were in really good position, and you let it go. So the that's that's what you sit on. That's what the off season when you when you get stuck in your Brewers thoughts and you do the what could have been. I think the what could have been was going to be based around game number two and game number four, the four three loss at home, the thirteen inning two one loss in Los Angeles. There's a lot of talk about the pitching, a ton of talk about the pitching. Specifically, Jeremy Jeffers. And I'm not going to lie to you and say that Jeffers was good. I would say Jeffers was better than his numbers would indicate because his numbers were very bad. But he also was not overly effective. Now, the issue with Jeffers, especially early on, was that there was a lot of soft contact getting through. So you could sit there and you could say, well, he's, he's really unlucky right now. 
And that is a part of baseball. Guys go into kind of these periods of time where there's some unluckiness. And you, you kind of chalked it up to that. Then he, you know, he had the home run that he gave up uh, early on in the series, and, and clearly there was not luck involved in that. And I know what his quotes were after the after the game, and I believe him kind of when he backed off on that, essentially saying that um, he was talking more about not so much the home run, but the little the dinks and dunks that got in for hits. But his effectiveness did wane as the series went along. Now, he had a nice appearance in game number six. He had a really good appearance in game number six, but he wasn't good in game number seven. And he slumped at the very worst moment. That's that's the bottom line. He had a slump at the worst moment. But for the people who called on Craig Council to remove him from those opportunities, I don't think that's the right decision. First off, it wasn't, it wasn't this sustained level of... Uh, mediocrity because I mentioned game six he looked really really good and early on in the series some of those hits that were coming through were lucky hits you can get a percentage on hits based off how hard they come off the bat and the launch angle now the folks at StatCast can say this this launch angle this hard off the bat this is going to be a hit 62 percent of the time I'm just throwing out a number and they can do that on every single every single ball that is put in play and there were a lot of balls that were put in play by Jer- you know, off, off of Jeremy Jeffress early on that generally would not be hits. And for whatever reason, they found holes. And it just it seemed like that was, the, that was the bad start. And that's the way it started. And by the end of the series, he just didn't look good. But I, I agree with Craig Council that the the word was always you're going to need Jeremy Jeffers to pitch really effectively to make it to the World Series. Well, he didn't, and they didn't. And I don't think it's a, it's a scenario where you say, well, he shouldn't have been pitching. You you pitch the guys, you hit the guys, you you do everything with the guys that got you to that point. And the the most common theme of the NLCS from I think a vocal minority. Actually, I know a vocal minority because I talked to a lot of people who listened to my programs and couldn't believe some of the stuff that was being said. But sometimes the vocal minority is the loudest group of people. And that loud group of people were calling for Jeremy Jeffers not to be used anymore, for Christian Yelich to be benched, for Jesus Aguilar to be benched, for Mike Moustakis to be benched. People wanted to see more of Curtis Granderson and more of Domingo Santana. And I'm not putting Granderson or Santana down, but in no way, shape, or form would I have ever removed your outfield group of Ron Kane and Yelich for Santana or Granderson in a starting starting spot. I think those guys did a really nice job coming off the bench. And sometimes we get too caught up in a really small sample size. Or you know, Grant, Curtis Granderson had great at bats. This is not me going off on Curtis Granderson. This is me saying that. The Brewers' outfit alignment that they used was the correct alignment that they used. It was the correct one. It, it, it was the way that they need to go. And it didn't completely work. Christian Yelich did not have a great series. Had the home run in game number seven, but overall he struggled. Lorenzo Cain, for the most part, struggled. Ryan Braun, I think you can make the argument that he was the best of the three of them throughout the course of the series, but he wasn't, you know, he didn't put up numbers to write home about either. 
But those were the guys that got you there. Those were the guys that gave you the best chance to win, and it just ended up not happening. It is a little frustrating uh, with the offense. Two things on the offense. First off, really, if you want to look at an Achilles heel of this Brewers team from Game 1 to the final out of Game 7, it was the fact that there was some inconsistency there. This team offensively could go away for a while, and then they would come back. And when, when they were hitting and with the, with the hitters that they had, man, they could, they could really hit the ball. But for whatever reason, this team just showed a knack for going into offensive slumps. And they did not. They were not an especially good offensive ball club in, in the NLCS. Now, part of the credit there goes to Los Angeles Dodgers for the way they pitched the ball, and that's part of it. When you're playing in the postseason, when you're playing in the NLCS, you are playing against a really good team. Really good teams have really good pitching. So the Brewers went up against some really good pitching, but it also was a case of the bats certainly got quiet and cold at at a bad moment. And I think when you look at the plan for this team, you know, when they went in and got Mike Moustakis and moved Travis Shaw to second base, essentially they were saying at that moment that they they were going to beat you with hitting. You know, they they eventually acquired Gio Gonzalez and Xavier Cedeno and, and guys like that. Soria came in late in the year, but uh, they they made the statement I think with the moves that they made that they were going to beat you with offense. And it was the pitching that was just absolutely spectacular. And I'm not saying the moves didn't work. Clearly, the Jonathan Scope trade is a trade that did not do what they hoped it would do. That's the one move that David Stearns made this year. Uh, that For me, that's a move that you you look at his moments, very few moments, most notably the home run that he hit against San Francisco. But the Jonathan Scope trade didn't work, and it creates a really odd situation now for the Brewers where – they gave up a healthy package of prospects for Scope. And now you look at what his arbitration projection is, you know, around $10 million or so, and you say, is this a guy that they're just going to let walk? That they're not going to say, that they're going to say is not worth that kind of money. And that's going to be a, that's going to be a very interesting subplot of what happens with this team going into the offseason. And again, we'll talk about that a lot more moving forward. Overall, the pitching in the NLCS, it was really good. It was really good. Brewers did it a little bit differently. Um, the Wade Miley thing where he pitched to one batter in game five and came back to start game number six, I thought was genius. You completely bait the Los Angeles Dodgers into putting together a lineup that's uh, designed to face a left-hander, and then they're facing a right-hander. I-, I loved it. There's people who thought it was overmanaging. It wasn't overmanaging. It was looking at the Dodgers, saying they're gonna they're gonna build a hefty lineup to face a left-hander, and let's neutralize that right away. And that's what they did. And the what we're gonna see happen because of that is one of two things: either in the playoffs, teams are gonna start stop building lineups that are focused specifically for either a left-hander or a right-hander, or we're gonna see more of that. We're gonna see more teams starting one guy to bait a team into a certain lineup and then going to a pitcher who throws from the other hand right away. Will be interesting. Will be very interesting, I think, to go forward and see uh, the things that the Brewers did in the postseason this year, how many of those things get replicated going forward. 
And look, it's not like the Brewers are the only team doing this stuff. Tampa Bay Rays had a really good season this past year. They were the best team in Major League Baseball from a win-loss perspective to not make it into the postseason. They were really, really good. And there was a point where they were basically going with a bullpen game every single time out. So it's the, the Brewers are not alone, but when you're doing that on the biggest stage, when you're doing that in the NLCS, people take note of it. When you've got a payroll like the Brewers have and you're able to get as far as the NLCS, other teams that have financial limitations, they're going to take note of what you're doing. And that's how... That's going to be the interesting part of this, how many teams go out and try to replicate some of the things that the Brewers did. So those are some of my initial thoughts on what has happened. It was a great run. I'm going to say this uh, to Kyle in a few minutes, but I'll just look at what was accomplished in the last month of the season. They go from being on the playoff bubble to locking in a playoff spot to assuring themselves that if they were the wild card, they would be the top wild card to playing a game 163 and not only winning the division, but finishing with the best record in all of the National League. Then they go sweep the National League Division Series and they take the NLCS to seven games. That's that's remarkable. For the people out there who say if it's not a championship, you know, the old the the Ricky Bobby, if you're not first, you're last people. It's stupid. It's stupid. This team accomplished things this year. This team won the National League Central. Going to the NLCS is an accomplishment. Is it as much of an accomplishment as going to the World Series? Is it as much of an accomplishment as winning a World Series? No, it's not. But it is an accomplishment, and I don't think we should live in a world where we can't acknowledge the accomplishments simply because they fall a little bit short of the of the the big picture goal. I mean, it was fun. It was fun to watch this team play. And they took Brewers fans on a spectacular ride. And it still might be a little bit painful to talk about them and to hear people talking about them and all that sort of stuff. And I get it. I get it. But they did accomplish something this year. And that should be the first thing that's thought about on this team. You, you think back on these playoff teams and what, just look at some of the first pitches that have been held at Miller Park, especially in the divisional series. When you had Nigel Morgan, when you had Prince Fielder, these guys are beloved in Milwaukee, and they were part of special teams. Well, the 2018 Brewers, they're a special team as well. And maybe 10, 15, 20 years from now, it's going to be Ryan Braun and Christian Yelich and Lorenzo Cain and Jesus Aguilar throwing out first pitches at playoff games. I, this is a this is a very important team in the history of the Brewers organization, and it's one of the handful of best teams. And that's just because they don't make it to the World Series. I don't think you should take anything away from that. It stinks. I'm not I'm not saying that you shouldn't be bummed that they're not making the World Series. But I do think you need to appreciate uh, the ride that this team took you on. Hey, you got a bunch of George Webb hamburgers out of it as well. So you got that going for you. All right, so our uh, featured conversation, Brew Crew Ball Managing Editor Kyle Lesneski. He is going to join us coming up in uh, just a moment or so. 
as we uh, continue to recap, it is the National League Championship Series recap edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. After every Brewers game, signing an announcement, bloggers and podcasters hit the web to give their take. Now we bring them all together. It's the Social Media Roundtable, and it starts now. Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast is powered by WTMJ Mobile as we do continue on. It is our NLCS recap, and really it's kind of turned into a season recap, but we're trying to focus as much as possible on really just looking back at the uh, the last couple weeks, maybe even last month of the season, before we uh, really try to extend back and look back the uh, entire season, which we will do in some future episodes. But right now, uh, as we do move into our social media conversation, very happy to uh, welcome in the managing over editor over at uh, Brew Crew Ball. He is a uh, very regular guest here on the podcast. It is Kyle Lesneski. Kyle, great to talk to you. How are you doing? Um, well, you know, I guess I'd rather be uh, talking about a World Series birth, but alas, you know, here we are. So um, things could be a little better, but, you know, still a great season, I suppose. Yeah, let's. Um, so, and I, I can hear it in your voice, and I think a lot of people. What we're talking right. It's seven fifty-seven p.m. on Sunday night, so it hasn't even. It, it's been like twenty-one hours or something since the season came to an end. So it is still a very fresh sort of thing. What's before we even get into specifics? I guess what what are your initial feelings about this Brewers season and this Brewers playoff run? Uh, almost immediately after it uh, it has come to an end, less than a day ago it finished off. Yeah, I mean, still here in the immediate term, for me at least, it, it's difficult not to feel pretty disappointed with the way that things ended. Um, I mean, I'm. 27 years old uh this is the best the brewers have done in my lifetime you know this is the closest they've ever come to getting to the world series since i've been alive and now it's over you know and you know during the during the regular season it's easier to kind of stay positive even during the ups and downs of the regular season you know they lose five in a row in in pittsburgh but you know, the season's not over. They still have games left to play and, and all that stuff. And now the, the season is over. And <laughs> and it, it kind of sucks. So, but I guess looking back, ultimately you, you have to feel good about where this team ended up getting to. And, you know, I, I guess I, I won't say that I thought they were going to win the division when the regular season started, uh, I predicted them to be a, a wild card team, and um, I, I certainly didn't expect that they were going to take it to seven games in the in the National League Championship Series. And um, ultimately, I think that's what we're going to think about when we look back on that on on this season. Um, but you know, maybe give ourselves another couple of days to kind of wallow in in our loss here before we start turning the page completely. The thing that jumps out at me is the the run that they've been on since since that final game of that Pittsburgh series that started the 12-game winning streak. And I, I've said this before, you've probably heard me say it, so I apologize for repeating myself, but in, in basically three weeks, they go from being uh, on the playoff bubble to clinching a playoff spot to clinching the top wild card to 
forcing a game 163 to both winning the division and having the best record uh, in the entire National League to sweeping through the NLDS to going to a game seven of the NLCS. To me, that's a really remarkable number of things that a team can accomplish in less than a month. Would that, that runs pretty incredible. Would you agree with that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I ultimately don't think that you can look back on this season and, and feel anything but, but positive about the way that things turned out. And I mean, this last month, six weeks worth of baseball that this team gave us it was just that I mean it was absolutely incredible I don't think we've ever seen anything like it in in Milwaukee you know they on September 1st they were what five games back of the Cubs in the in the National League Central and they were the best team in the National League in October they were in September uh, they won 12 games in a row for the first time in 31 years and everybody got to go get their free burgers out of it and um, you know, they made the playoffs for the first time in seven years. They made it even deeper into the playoffs than, than they did the last time. And, um, I mean, they were, they were this close to going to the world series and everybody in that clubhouse felt so confident about winning that game. And, you know, it just, after all the, all the highs that we went through over the last month, the last six weeks with this team after all the incredible things that they treated us to it's just kind of a a little bit of a a bitter taste the way the way that it ended you know last year the team ended up one game out of the playoffs and it was really easy to go back over the course of 162 games and pick out all those moments that if they would have won this game if this wouldn't have happened they would have been in the postseason well, this year they lose in seven games. So instead of looking at 162 games, you're looking at six games, or I guess more specifically you're kind of looking at uh, three or four games. And in that National League Championship Series, for me, I think you have to look at the game two at home uh, when when they lose that one by a 4-3 score, and you have to look at that 13-inning loss where they lose 2-1. Uh, those are those are the games that seemed really winnable for this team, and they come up empty, and you win either of those games, you're you're in the World Series. Are are those the games that uh, that, that maybe sit on you a little bit uh, after the season has come to an end? Yeah, I, I would I would tend to agree. Um, I think especially with um, in game two with with how Jeremy Jeffress struggled, and you know I I don't. Blame Council for for sticking with his guy, and um, you know Je- Jeffers was obviously incredible throughout the entire course of the season. He had a, a 129 ERA. He was an All Star. Um, he he was outstanding, and you know that's in the grand scheme of things, that's the guy that you're going to want on the mound in those kinds of situations. And you know for for whatever reason, he couldn't get it done, and. Ultimately, I think that's going to be one of the bigger storylines to how the series played out was specifically the way that Jeffress struggled. And in such a small sample size over the course of a seven-game series, um, you know, you can't you can't look at what's going on and and say definitively, you know, 
this is why and, and draw these specific conclusions. We just, we know that, that you can't draw conclusions from sample sizes that small. Um, so like I said, you can understand why council is going to continue to go with this guy, but it's just really unfortunate that, that this had to be the time that Jeffress struggled this year and, and couldn't get it done. And um, I think that that specifically played a, a pretty significant role in the way that this series went down. I have a hard time evaluating Jeffress because clearly his last outing was not good. Uh, clearly the home run that he gave up earlier in the series, uh, that was not a good pitch, and there were some uh, some things that were said about that. But also he was dinked and dunked a little bit. You look at some of those advanced numbers, and uh, it was a lot of soft contact that was finding holes, and th- that's how that's kind of how the adversity started, I guess you can say. And as it as it went on, it it, it got worse. And again, in his last outing, that was to me that was his worst outing. There wasn't much redeeming uh, about that. So all that being said, he went from being a very unlucky pitcher, and that happens in baseball, to that kind of spiraling to a point of where he just wasn't very effective towards the end. How do you evaluate, uh, I guess, how, I mean, his numbers weren't as, he didn't pitch as bad as his numbers, but he also didn't pitch good. That's the that's the tough thing to talk about with him. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that's a good a good way to kind of put it. Um, there were some, uh, some instances, you know, where, where there was some bad luck involved and stuff like that. But I mean, at the same time, you know, he didn't necessarily do himself a ton of favors. Um, especially looking back to that walk with the bases loaded and, um, stuff like that. And I mean, it just, you know, you can't, you can't ask a guy to have it all the time. And, you know, there's going to be points where guys just aren't aren't as effective as as we want them to be, and you know we saw in September down the stretch there was a, a short span of time where Josh Hader had some rough outings, and um, you know that that all came kind of bunched together, and then he worked through it. And you know if this were the middle of the season or you know the a uh, uh, period of a larger sample size. I would imagine that Craig Council is going to continue to go to Jeremy Jefferson and he would be able to work through some of these issues. But unfortunately, the way that the timing worked out, he just went through these struggles at the absolute worst possible time. He's the guy that you look at, but yeah, I'm a big believer in uh, unless it's just really, really not working at all, you stick with the guys that got you there. And that's what Craig Council did, and we can we can argue whether or not he should have you know lightened up how much that they were how much he was using Jeremy Jeffress. But that being said, uh, Jeffress in his final appearance uh, before Game Seven went in Game Six, he went an inning without giving up a hit and a strikeout. So he he had a moment, and you have Christian Yelich who wasn't especially good in the NLCS, but he came around a bit. He hit the home run in game number seven. You had Jesus Aguilar who struggled. Well, he came through with a, with a really nice game in game number six. So uh, to me, it's a lot tougher. I took phone calls on my show from people saying that Christian Yelich needs to be benched, and I was just floored by it because we're talking <laughs> right. about uh, the, the National League MVP, and I think we can lump all these guys in together. These are the guys who got you the most wins in the National League. These are the guys who got you a sweep in the NLDS. You can't just say, 
uh, if you're going to bench Christian Yelich, then you should stop using Jeremy Jeffers, and you should also bench, you know, Lorenzo Cain and Mike Moustakis and Jesus Aguilar. Like you, you just can't do that. And and my, I guess my point is, right. people say that, but it, it doesn't work. You had to keep pitching Jeremy Jeffers, right? And I mean, I think that Council put it best, you know, when he he said multiple times, like we won't win this series without an effective Jeremy Jeffress. And the way that the Brewers roster is constructed and the way that their bullpen is set up, um, he's a, he's a pitcher that is very important in, in that scheme. And he's a guy that needs to come through. And, you know, for 95% of the season, he was that guy. He was exactly who you would have wanted him to be. And, you know, like you said, it's, it's just unfortunate that the timing worked out that, when he struggled, when his inevitable struggles were going to occur, they happened to occur in in this series at you know this important of a juncture of the season. Feels like five years ago that this happened, but one of the biggest storylines of the NLCS was when Wade Miley starts, faces one batter as Craig Council uh, baits Dave Roberts into a versus left-handed lineup and then immediately goes to a, a right-hander afterwards. I loved it. I feel like the Dodgers allowed that to happen because Roberts puts together his lineups based off facing a righty or a lefty. If you want to hedge against that, then go with a lineup that's more evenly balanced throughout. But what say you on that, uh, what was that, I guess, the Game 5 decision to go with Wade Miley and have him face just one batter? Yeah, I mean, I it definitely caught me by surprise. And I think it I, it really caught everybody kind of by surprise, at least anybody that wasn't involved. I was listening to the game on the radio, and um, at first, uh, Euchre made it sound like uh, he thought Wade Miley was injured, like they were pulling him with an injury, and that was, and that, to me, like all of a sudden, you know, I'm all worried and stuff until finally it kind of comes out like, oh yeah, this was, this was planned, this was it the whole time. Um, I mean, you know, the I guess I shouldn't be surprised that they used a guy in that manner. Um, you know, Wade Miley was was pitching on what would be short rest. I think it would have been like a day that he would have normally thrown a bullpen anyway. So this kind of functioned as that sort of sort of throwing instead. Um, and then you know, turning the ball over to Brandon Woodruff, like the, all through the all through the postseason, like the big conversation has been about you know how how Craig Council is deploying his pitching and the different creative ways that that he's using his guys and all that kind of stuff um so yeah I mean it makes sense that if a team was going to do something like that that it would be the Brewers uh I think it's cool that they seem to kind of be at the front of all this sort of stuff and um you know they're not the team that came up with the opener and all that sort of stuff but they're the team that's in the playoffs that's successfully doing it on a huge stage. And um, I think it's it's cool to see, you know, a, a team that I root for and all that kind of stuff kind of be on the, the cutting edge of sort of that new age pitching revolution that, that seems to be inevitably marching towards baseball. I feel kind of dirty asking you this next question, but I'm going to ask you it nonetheless. And the, the preface on that is, for the since the postseason has begun, uh, I've I've fielded questions from people or comments, you know, complaining about how the national media is treating the Brewers. And my response has always been, yeah, they haven't 
they haven't seen the Brewers. They've got no clue what's going on. You know, they, they can do their research, and I think most of the folks have that, that have been there. But unless you really follow this team from start to finish, they're, they're kind of a complicated team to really understand. So I'm not going to get mad at somebody for not completely understanding. And, again, if you're a Brewers fan, okay, it might be a little bit annoying when you're saying they're watching the game on TV and somebody says something that's not totally correct. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. So I preface that to, to ask you this question. Did did the team need to win? the Because the NLCS is the big stage. With all due respect to the NLDS, the NLCS is when uh, everybody really starts paying attention. Did this team need to win the NLCS for Craig Council to maybe just get the recognition and, and the credit that I think both of us uh, think that he deserves for the way he does things? Or did... Did the run and getting to Game 7, did that do enough for people to take note of the way Milwaukee and the way Craig Council are doing things? Yeah, I I mean, I guess it, it's kind of tough because, you know, just random Joe Schmo baseball fan, you know, anywhere in the country probably isn't going to think that Craig Council is, you know, all that great because they, they didn't win. Um, but I mean, if, if you're a little bit more of a knowledgeable baseball fan, um, I, I don't think that the fact that they lost the NLCS, um, does anything to make it less legitimate the way that they got there. Um, I mean, it, it's certainly difficult to look back and say that the pitching is the reason that they lost that series. I mean, they, other than, you know, that uh, unfortunate outing for Jefferson in the last game, their pitching stood toe-to-toe with the Dodgers the entire series. Um, their runs scored, runs allowed was was right there. Um, I, I think it probably um, is within a run, ultimately, is, is how it finished. Um, so the, the way that the way that the pitching performed is not something that you can look back on and, and say, you know, they lost because of the pitching. They lost because of the way that Craig Council was using his pitchers. And um, I, I certainly don't think that it's it's a style of play that's going to be going away. Uh, I think it's, you know, probably something that the Brewers may even look to double down on next year and, and um, you know, play their guys even more aggressively in, in the way that they did in the playoffs. Um you know, Craig Council is, is a guy who's going to start getting a lot more national recognition for the work that he's been doing with Milwaukee. Um, he did just get named the Sporting News Co-Manager of the Year. That's now the second year in a row that, that he's won that award through Sporting News, which is uh, voted on by the different managers around baseball. They do their, their polling that way. Um, so that should speak to how Craig Council's peers look at the work that he does uh, when when the different managers in the National League are the ones that voted to say that, you know, this is the guy we think is the best manager in the league this year. Um, and, you know, now for, for two years in a row, that's, that's what they've said. Um, and, I mean, looking at the job that he did this year and the fact that the Brewers won the most games in the National League and stuff, I, I would think that he's got to be a pretty prohibitive favorite to win the... Um, you know, MLB's manager of the year award, the one that's voted on by the baseball writers. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that that is going to start generating a lot more discussion 
um, nationally about about the different things that Milwaukee is doing up here and um, kind of bring some more attention to just how good of a job Craig Council has done with this team. From game one to game 163, one thing that was true about this team was there was offensive inconsistency. They could be a very good offensive club, but they had also would go through periods of time where they had a really hard time scoring runs. And it was... It, we've spent so much time talking about the pitching, but as you alluded to just a moment ago, it's not the pitching that's the reason they lost the NLCS. Uh, they did not hit consistently throughout uh, that the, the NLCS. And you, look, you're playing a really good team, and you certainly tip your cap to the Dodgers and, and their ability to to pitch. But you also look inwardly, and you look at the the Brewers, and you look at an offense that sputtered a little bit down the stretch. How do you evaluate the way the team uh, played from an offensive standpoint in the NLCS? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're going to look at anything specifically that cost the Brewers this series, it it would be the offense. Um, it just like it seems like so many guys just kind of struggled all at the same time. There was a, a period throughout the series where Christian Yelich couldn't get a hit, and um, Lorenzo Cain wasn't exactly driving the ball for several games of the series, and um, you know Ryan Braun got got seven hits, but you know, he got five singles and, and two doubles. So, you know, maybe not exactly impactful, uh, impactful with the way that he was swinging the bat. And, um, Steven, uh, especially a guy like Mike Moustakis was just, he really hurt the team in this series. And it seems like he came up so many times with an opportunity to, to drive in a run or something like that. And, um, just four hits in the series, he struck out, 12 times in seven games um, just really struggled against all the left-handers that the, that the doctors threw out there. And, um, you know, throughout most of the series, Jesus Aguilar really struggled as well. And um, before that game six, he was, you know, like what over 15 or something with runners in scoring position, just seemed like he had stranded like a small country on, on base during the series. And, um, as you mentioned, it's been a team that's been inconsistent offensively all year long. And, you know, they got hot at the right time down the stretch, and uh, unfortunately they just couldn't maintain that, that level of offense once they kind of got up against the Dodgers pitching. And um, my uh, colleague at Brew Crew Ball, James Langier, actually came out with uh, a little bit of analysis earlier today that uh, the way that the Dodgers were able to use their left-handed pitching to kind of stein the Brewers' offense throughout the series um, is probably going to point to something that the team needs to look to address this offseason. And, you know, I think something that, that really hurt them that um, probably is going to get some more discussion as we get into arbitration talks here and stuff like that is uh, just how massive of a flop the Jonathan Scope edition was. And you know, looking back at when they picked him up in July, like the the big reason that they supposedly picked him up was because he was going to be able to come in and be an impactful bat against left-handed pitching because swinging against lefties is something that the team kind of struggled with all throughout the course of the season. Um, and, I mean, really it seems like the guy was almost a, a wasted roster spot in the league championship series. And when you give up the, the prospect package that they did to go out and get him, um, it, it's really disappointing to see the way that it just, it just 
didn't work out. And I, I don't, I don't think that there's anybody that would disagree with that, that it, it, the addition just didn't work for the Brewers this year. Um, and if, you know, that would have been a guy who, who they would have been able to plug in against all those lefties and um, have some confidence with, it, it probably could have made a, a pretty big difference. But, you know, then they're instead they're running a guy like Hernan Perez out there who, you know, isn't obviously a very gifted offensive player. And they're, you know, running Mike Moustakis out there against the platoon disadvantage. And, you know, they got to put Travis Shaw out there a couple of times in, in that situation. And it it's just really unfortunate that that move specifically didn't work out because I think that it could have made a significant difference. A couple more questions for uh, Kyle Lesneski before we let him go. He's the managing editor over at uh, Brew Crew Ball. And a, First off, we've made a big deal. We, I guess in the media, anybody, I mean you watch this team and we've made a big deal out of the fact that yeah, while they didn't have a lot of playoff experience, they had a Mike Moustakis, they had a Lorenzo Cain who while maybe did not have playoff experience with the Brewers, had won a World Series, but as much as we make that argument, a Christian Yelich, a Jesus Aguilar, a, a Travis Shaw, there's a lot of guys on that team as well, a lot of core members of that team that did not have the playoff experience. And those guys for the most part struggled. How much how much does that play out? How much does the the fact that do you do you attribute any of their uh, failures or fail, adversity, I'll go with the word adversity. Do you attribute any of their adversity in the NLCS to lack of experience especially for those uh, few guys that I mentioned? Um I mean, I guess I, that's not something I personally would read a ton into. Um, there's been some, you know, articles written out there and studies done. I think there was one um, done recently at Baseball Prospectus that, that kind of show that um, prior playoff experience doesn't necessarily have a quantifiable bearing on, you know, performance, actual performance in, in a given playoff series. Um, so I guess I... I I wouldn't look at that as something like, you know, this stage was too big for these guys or something like that. Because, I mean, you can look at, you know, Christian Yelich obviously had a, a pretty stellar performance in the divisional series. Um, it, it, I guess it's just not it's not something that I think is something that held the team back this year. Um, but going forward, you know, I, I certainly don't think that having this experience and having this, you know, the way that they went through this run and into the postseason and now we're going to have to deal with the adversity of losing a game seven and uh, coming back from that. I mean, I don't, I don't think that that's going to be a negative thing for them going forward. Um, I, I certainly think that this experience um, brought the core members of the team together and and you know that was a big thing that um they talked about throughout the year and especially into the playoffs was how connected everybody feels in the clubhouse and stuff like that so now they have you know this pretty significant experience that they all went through together and um i think we can look at a lot of the guys on this team and and think that you know we're going to see a lot of these same sort of guys come back next year. I, I guess I wouldn't necessarily expect wholesale changes for a team that won 96 games and went to Game 7 of the NLCS and um, has just about all these guys under club control for, for next season. Um, I think that 
this experience is something that, you know, they'll look to build on and, and um, motivate them going forward to, to try and push through and, and get to that World Series. So, no, I don't think that I don't think that the lack of prior playoff experience is the reason that they lost the series or is a significant contributing factor. Um, but I think that the experience that they gained this series can only help going forward. One of the differences between this playoff run and the most recent playoff run is that at that at that point it felt like okay that was the, they're done. There's going to be a lot of guys who aren't going to be around the next year. You just alluded to the fact that the the core members of this team they're going to be back. And to add on to that. There's, especially from a pitching standpoint, there is some young pitching that you would expect to really take another step forward going into uh, next season. From a, It's still tough. We're, we're less than 24 hours since the season came to an end, but I think it's clear that this feels like the beginning of something, not the end of something. Would you agree? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I would say this definitely feels, you know, like the the door closed on, on 2018, but the competitive window is, is you know, just kind of opening up here. Um, they, you know, as I mentioned, they, they can bring back just about everybody from the team this year. I think uh, the only real notable free agents are, are guys like uh, Wade Miley and, um you know, Mike Moustakis has that mutual option and, you know, they'll have a decision to make on a guy like Soria and stuff like that. Um, but for, for the most part, this is, this team is going to be able to come back relatively intact for 2019. Um, I don't think that that's going to preclude them from going out and looking for upgrades. And, and, you know, obviously I expect them to, to be pretty active again in the off season. Um, but they do have a very good, core of, of quality players in place, both position players and in the pitching staff that are under control for multiple seasons. And I guess, you know, it, it's tough to foresee something at this point that would prevent the Brewers from being legitimate playoff contenders for, you know, at least the next few years and hopefully a lot longer than that. Um, you know, it's been pretty outstanding to see the, the different ways that, that David Stearns and his staff have been able to identify and, and bring in talent. Um, you know, so I think as long as, as long as those guys are there and they have a good process in place and they can continue to find players in the, in the ways that they have, I, I think that this team is, is set up to do some special things for a, a pretty good amount of time. At some point, we will shift the focus of this podcast from looking back to looking forward, and we'll get you back on here in a month or so to to maybe look forward to the, uh, the next season and, and what changes can be made on the roster. But uh, let me finish you off with this. Just very generally, broadly speaking, what what kind of moves or what kind of move maybe because the team came up just one game short of the World Series, what do you want to see David Stearns, Matt Arnold, uh, Mark Atanasio, Craig Council, as they all come together uh, in the decision-making process going into next season, what do you want to see this club do in the offseason? Um, I guess, you know, looking at the way that everything finished up, uh, you would like to see the Brewers go out and, and find a way to improve the offense. Um, you know, there's probably not, 
there's not going to be a ton of spots on the roster where, you know, you look and you say, all right, we can definitely, definitely use a guy there. But, um, you know, for as much as, as we, you know, we can celebrate the work that Eric Kratz and, and Manny Pena did defensively this season, uh, they, neither of those guys are exactly juggernauts with the bats. And, um, there's a couple of, there's going to be a couple of catchers on the off season market this year who are, um, quality defenders, defenders that would fit well within the Brewers system. I think that, um, can, you know, carry a little bit more cachet with the bats, guys like, uh, Wilson Ramos. And, um, although he didn't look exactly great in this series, uh, I think Yasmani Grandal is probably somebody that could fit pretty well onto this team. Um, you know, finding another bat, maybe, uh, depending on what they do with Dacus, um, you know, maybe find somebody to, to stick at second base. Uh, you're probably not looking for a super long-term solution there because I'm guessing that you're going to want to take a look at Keston Heras, uh, at some point next season. Um, and he's obviously somebody that, that the team should be excited about and that fans should be excited about. Uh, but you know, maybe maybe picking up a guy like Marwin Gonzalez, uh, switch hitting utility player guy who can play all over the place and um, who's been a, a pretty steady hitter throughout his career. Uh, he's somebody who I think could fit as that sort of short term stopgap second baseman. And then you know if and when Keston Hira is ready, you can call him up and then Gonzalez kind of moves into a role that. Hernan Perez is occupying right now, and and he would be an upgrade uh, Perez brings in that position. Um, so there's you know spots like that around the roster. Um, I would say probably second base and and catcher where uh, you can find some players that are, that are going to bring a little bit more to the offense than maybe what the Brewers got this season. Um, and then as far as the pitching staff goes, uh, I think they're probably not going to get super involved in the big names. Uh, you know, guys like uh, Patrick Corbin and Dallas Keuchel are probably two of the more notable guys on the free agent market this year. Um, but somebody who could who could fit really nicely into their, you know, sort of run prevention system is maybe somebody like Nathan Evaldi, uh, who's, you know, shown that he can, he can be a really effective pitcher when he's healthy. And, um the Brewers could sign him knowing that, you know, hey, he's got this little bit of a health history, but he's not somebody that we're going to count on to have to pitch 200 innings or something like that. You know, he can he could fit really well into that. You know, just give us your best four or five innings, and, you know, we'll go from there um, as a guy who can come out and, and, you know, throw triple digits with his fastball. And he's got that really nice cutter, too. Um And uh, I, I think they'll be looking, you know, more along the lines of, of – uh, uh, additions like that to the pitching staff, um, guys who can throw multiple innings, whether it's a rotation role or a bullpen role, as we kind of see this sort of 27 outs philosophy that they have continue to evolve. Um, Evaldi is a guy that I like. Uh, uh, Joe Kelly as a as a bullpen piece, a multi inning bullpen piece, is somebody who I you know kind of have a little bit of interest in. Um, and then on the trade route, I guess. You know, with with the way that the Yankees have been talking, it's it's hard not to feel like some sort of connection between the Brewers and Sonny Gray is inevitable at some point. So, uh, I think that something like that could make a lot of sense. Uh, I think more of what the team is going to do is identify guys that that they think can thrive um, for maybe less than they have to 
they would have to pay a frontline pitchers. Um, you know, they're they're going to be looking more so at those those bargain kind of guys that can come in and work with Derek Johnson and and highlight specifically their strengths and how and tailor them to kind of how they, you know, use their defensive shift and all that sort of stuff. So, um, I definitely think that it's going to be an active off season. I think that you know we're gonna we're gonna see a lot of interesting stuff out there and. Um, with the way that that things went last year, I guess at this point, you know, it's it's tough not to expect that just about anything could happen. So, um, it still stings, you know. These it stings losing in Game Seven in the NLCS, and that thing is probably going to last for another few days. But uh, I think as we get into the off season, there's going to be a lot of stuff to keep Brewer fans distracted. You and your staff killing it over at Brew Crew Ball, and I know kind of the post-mortem has already started. Uh, take me through uh, what folks can expect over there, especially in the next uh, coming weeks. Yeah, we're going to start to um, push into our off-season coverage, obviously. Um, take a final look back on the 2018 season as a whole and um, kind of start doing voting for our most valuable brewers and um, looking ahead to the off season and starting to identify free agent targets and um, uh, trade targets and and all that sort of stuff. So uh, certainly will be plenty of off season coverage for everybody to to keep their eye on over at Brooker Ball. He is Kyle Lesneski. He's the managing editor of Brew Crew Ball. If you're not checking out Brew Crew Ball on an every single day basis, you are missing out. The content is great. Plus, I don't mention this as much as I should during our conversations. He's also a contributor over at BP Milwaukee and does great work there. Kyle, appreciate the time. And a long conversation the day after the season comes to an end is asking a lot. So thank you so much for your time. And look forward to talking to you next time where we get to really dive into the future a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. Always great to come on with uh, come on with you and, and chat some baseball. And I uh, wish it were under better circumstances. As always, I appreciate you reaching out. Kyle Lesneski joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. And that's going to just about uh, wrap up this edition. Thanks for being tuned in. A little bit different this week, just kind of just talking. Series season just got over, just kind of talking, looking back, and uh, certainly maybe a little bit tough to really appreciate what happened uh, during the season. I think we heard that from Kyle, and I, I've seen that on social media from from a whole lot of folks uh, just saying that it's not getting better. You know, I'm talking to you on Sunday night. Got a tweet from uh, I don't I don't know if this guy listens to the podcast or not. Uh, Chris on Twitter sent me a, a tweet on Sunday and said, this isn't feeling better today. This is the greatest, most successful team I've seen in my 40 years, and they didn't even make the World Series. Last night's reality is hardening into a loss of faith of ever seeing a World Championship. And I think there's some emotion that goes along with a tweet like that. I guess my my word on that would be, and this is, <laughs> this is funny, uh, not funny haha, but funny peculiar, I guess. Uh, funny to say, let's let's revisit that last sentence in three years, four years, two years, five years, somewhere in there, because this team right now and the core they've put together, it seems like th- the window's opening, the door's opening, whatever stupid cliche you want to use, the door seems to be opening for this team to have a sustained level of success and to be a legit 
World Series contender. And I'm not I, I'm not trying to downplay Chris the, the tweeter's thoughts, but to me, I think you should feel better about the Brewers' chances of winning a World Series relatively soon based off what happened this year, not feel worse. Like clearly the chances to win a World Series go up exponentially when you are in the World Series, which the Brewers come up one game short of. But I have a hard time understanding how you can watch what just happened, look at the roster, look at the guys who are going to be back, look at some of the young talent that's just going to continue to get better. I have a hard time understanding how you... And, and oh yeah, by the way, you have, you have a general manager who keeps making great moves, and you have an owner who will, in a small market, continue to support from a financial standpoint better than most small market owners do uh, what what Mark Atanasio has done I know you know three playoff appearances over the course of uh, 10 years doesn't sound great but you go compare that to some of the other smaller market teams Brewers been a nice job competing and not going into these long term just downturns Three playoff appearances in 10 years might not seem like much. There are teams out there that would that would trade that, especially when you consider getting to Game 7 in the NLCS. The Brewers were one of the three last teams playing in the 2018 season. And that's what, with just about everybody coming back. There's a lot of reasons to be optimistic about that. All right, I mentioned this earlier. I'll mention it one more time before we get out of here. We will continue to do the Brewers Weekly Show on uh, WTMJ Radio on Thursday nights at 8 o'clock. I hope you tune in for that. And we will continue to do this podcast every week. So uh, we'll have a lot of Brewer talk. And if you ever want to talk Brewers with me, feel free to tweet at me, at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. Thanks again to uh, Kyle Lesneski from uh, Brew Crew Ball for joining us just a moment or so ago. This has been Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.